Hello and welcome to the second season of Revise, Rebut and Resubmit, a podcast that explores early career researchers' experiences in publishing their first academic paper and which celebrates this important milestone. My name is Jennifer Fitchett and I'm an Associate Professor of Physical Geography at the University of the Witwatersrand in South Africa, an avid science communicator and a still, I would argue, relatively young academic with a passion for breaking down the barriers and unnecessary mysticism in the publication process. Each episode, I interview a new person on their journey in writing, revising, rebutting, and resubmitting their first academic paper to publish their first piece of peer-reviewed work. This podcast is very generously supported by Genus, the DSI NRF Center of Excellence for Paleosciences. Nelson Namatole is a PhD candidate in the Evolutionary Studies Institute at the University of the Witwatersrand. His research spans topics in geology, paleobotany, and geoheritage. His first first authored academic paper was published in the Journal of African Earth Sciences, reporting on a new species of conifer wood from the Middle Permian in Mozambique. Welcome, Nelson, to this podcast, and very many thanks for making the time to join us. Thank you, Jennifer. Let's make the, the, the conversation uh, and try to remember everything about my first papers and <laughs> a lot of research that have been done during my master's and so far. Yes, and I think it's amazing how much time we spend working on a paper, but how easy it is mm-hmm. and how quick it is to then forget <laughs> the details of what happened in the writing process, what happened in the review process. And even what we said in the specifics of the paper, because of course, when we're working in research, we are always doing something new and it's so quick paced that we can really struggle to remember all of the specifics. So I'm very glad that you mentioned that because I think it's true for all of us and for everyone who will be listening. So from what you can remember, can you give us a brief overview of that first paper looking at the new species of conifer woods from the Permian in Mozambique And just a quick overview of what that paper reported on and the methodologies you used and the major findings. Yeah, uh, working on that research on that paper was a bit tricky. I would say first time was a bit tricky because it was not easy at all to to come to that conclusion that we're finding different species for for science because we're different species of of conifer wood from the middle panel of Mozambique, that at the end of the day, we realized that they were new for science. So in a few words, I would say that those specimens were collected in the, the middle Permian formation in Mozambique, in Nyasa. Nyasa is, is located in the northern Mozambique. And so what we knew about the fossil woods in Nyasa is that we had like a unique kind of fossil woods from the Nyasa part in, in the northern Mozambique and and center of Mozambique, where it's located the other province that I've worked on, is the, it's called Teti province. So the dogs Nicole is the conifer, 16th name of conifer woods that was found in Nyasa and Teti. So my work was to try to reassess the taxonomy of the fossil woods from Mozambique basically the Permian fossil woods from Mozambique. So it was a tough job for me and I did it during my master's. And I started 
collecting samples since 2017, 2018, 2019. So we're doing a lot of field work with my supervisors before I start my master. And the main goal was to assess and try to find out new species or even new genus for the Mozambican Permian fossil woods. So it was not easy at all, as I said before. And after three years of intensive field work, I had to work on the lab to process the samples, to, to make fin sections and to analyze them under the microscope. So I basically used the Pelleborton lab at the Vince University was where I was enrolled as a master's student. So I was preparing the fin sections. Basically working on the first fluid fin sections, I had to prepare three, three sections per sample. So it means that if I have <clears throat> one samples, I have three different sections. If I have 10 samples, I have 30 different sections. So at the end of the day, I had, I think, 300, 300 slides. So it's a lot of work, a lot of samples analyzed under the microscope. But I can't say that it's, so it was a tough time for me, but I learned a lot. And after the preparation at the lab, I have to analyze under the transmitted light microscope to identify all the, the fossil wood species, this kind of things. Uh, it was not easy because I was learning a new discipline for me. It was a pile so I have to spend a lot of time to, to sit and to make revisions and to, to understand how the taxonomy of fossil woods works. But I have to spend a lot of time with my supervisor, my, my master supervisor. At that time, I was a Dr. Mary Brandford, that is also my supervisor for my PhD now. So I had to spend a lot of time asking a lot of things that sometimes didn't make sense, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> and after this in, in intensive lab work, I remember that I, some, some of these days I had to ask my, my supervisor because I was finding in the slides the same species that are found in South Africa and the Keru basin of South Africa. What makes sense? Because the Mozambican Keru is the continuation of the South African main Keru basin. So nothing strange at all, find the same thing. But one of these days, I realized that, yes, in one of the slides, one of the two slides that I was looking at, there was something different. different. And I remember that I approached my supervisor that I think now I'm seeing something different so that deserve more attention. And I had a discussion with my supervisor and I remember that, that she said that, yes, I'm not quite sure what, what you're saying, but yes, I think you're right. You should review and you should go in that direction, not this direction, go in that direction. And we'll try to find out if you're, if you're right, if you're wrong. So basically my supervisor gave me good clues to work a little bit more, try to find out if I was wrong or not. And yes, after months of, uh, of work, I came and approached again that, yes, I think this is, is, new, is new general for, for, the, 
for the Mozambican Cairo basins, and even for the, for the South African Cairo basin, for just comparing. And I was lucky because my supervisor was one of the co-author of one of the paper that, that described this, this genre. So it was easy for me to get that conclusion. At this stage, it was not such, such, such a difficult thing to do. The difficult thing that I had on my hand was to compare this material that I had from Mozambique with other material that have been found abroad. So the genre was an extinct conifer called Protopsodox long that was merely found in the Northern Hemisphere. And the unique occurrence related in that time was in the Argentina for the Southern Hemisphere. So, so this material that I found in Mozambique was the first in Mozambique, the Karoo basins, and the second in the Southern Hemisphere. So it was a different, total different species and have to compare with, with the uh, already known species for the Northern Hemisphere. I was lucky because the previous described specimens were just six, so it was not 100 species, was not uh, 10 species, but were just six species that were already known from some formations in the Northern Hemisphere. So I had to, I, I, at that time I had, I had to compare my species, well, with, with my material, and I came to the conclusion that yes, I was I was right. This was, was something new. If I look at the different features that can use to compare fossil hoods, and yes, I got these informations, all the details, all the identifications. I approached my supervisors, and they they said yes, you are right. I think yes, we have we have here new material for for science. We have new fossil hoods. We have new conifer hoods that deserve to be published in scientific papers. So I had had more job for my work, my dissertation because at the same time I was working with my monography and I had to stop a little bit and to try to write a paper because. I had to also include this paper in my dissertation. So in that time, my work was very tough, but I was focused. I described the, the taxonomy of these new species. And one of my results is that, yes, these species are all well-known in the Northern Hemisphere, but these species, they, perhaps also existed in Gondwana, so during the impairment. Because in the Northern Hemisphere, this specimen was found in the much younger sediments. It was found in Cretaceous and Jurassic formations. But in our case, these fossil woods were found in much older sediments. It was found in, in permanent formations. So it was very nice to say that, yes, these Materials are not just restricted to the to the younger sediments, to the, to the Mesozoic, but are also found in much older sediments in the Paleozoic. So this was also was one of my conclusions in my first paper. So try to infer some some dispersal interpretations, we'll say, and some paleoclimates that 
that can extract, that can obtain from this, this kind of phosphor loads. So it was, a, it was a very tough work for me at that time, but I will say now <laughs> we did it and I'm so happy. No, you absolutely should be happy, Nelson. Congratulations. It's an incredible Thank paper you. to have on record as the first paper that you've written and to be making such significant advances in science so early on in your career. This is the kind of work that most of us aspire to do at some point in our career, probably when we're a professor, that's when we're going to start being able to identify new species and to put forward a paper like this. So I just want to begin by saying congratulations. All of the the very hard work in the very many hours and juggling your, your MSc dissertation write up with the paper, I really think was very, very worth it because you have this brilliant paper to your name. So very well done. Thank you, thank you. So there are a couple of things that I think are so valuable that you've mentioned. And the first is just discussing how much goes into one single paper. And obviously, it, it differs between discipline and the types of work differ when we're working in the paleo sciences, as you've described. There's a lot of time that goes into the field work. There is a lot of time that goes into sample preparation. There is a huge amount of time that's spent with microscopes and then time spent analyzing the results of that. And we can't compare that directly with somebody who's working in history or sociology or somebody who's working in a field like human geography. Those all have different types of work and different types of intellectual input. But what really stands out to me time and time again, and I've had the same experience myself when working in paleosciences, is that when we do this kind of work, there are no shortcuts. And whether you are brilliant or, or not, you still have the same number of hours that you have to spend sitting at the microscope, the same number of hours to spend out in the field, the same number of hours to spend in the laboratory. And as you've described, it's really the culmination of many years of very hard work that will come to one singular paper. And then when that paper's done, you're starting the process again with the next piece of work that you're doing. And I think it's very important for us to be aware of that because often when you read a paper, you lose sense of how long it would have taken and how much work that involved. And so thank you for sharing that. And I wonder if, if there are any other comments you have in terms of, of what I've just said about how there really aren't any clear shortcuts that I know of, and that you really have to go in with, with the knowledge of how much time things will take. Yes, yes, I can maybe add a comment. Yes, this kind of work has, you, Jennifer is saying, I think you're more experienced than me, Yes, it takes time and sometimes you don't know when you'll finish doing the certain, for instance, you're working on the, because there's a different approach to write a paper. One of the projects that I learned from my supervisors, write in chapters and send to us and re review your draft. So sometimes you never know in which stage the draft for, for a certain chapter will be ended. So. You never know. Sometimes, because we were also working on the, on the, the microscope, and you can spend, for reasons, I used to spend one week or two weeks just look at one slide. In this paper, for reasons, I think I spent two months, three months looking at two, just two specimens. So it was very tedious, it was very tough for me. And you never know if, if until they will be done with your work or not. So it depends on your motivation, because if you don't have motivation, at the same stage, you can just like, no, I cannot go forward. It's just like, <laughs> this is the end. I cannot. 
uh, add more works. So you never know when you're going to stop. You have to be focused and motivated uh, to, to move forward with your research. I think this is what I can add from now. Absolutely. And I think what you're speaking to about motivation is particularly important before you see the reward. So having your paper published and being able to look at that is a great source of ongoing motivation. And it reminds us why we're doing this. But perhaps you can talk a bit about how you did manage to motivate yourself during those earlier days when you were spending a couple of weeks just looking at one specimen and when you'd spend a full day looking at one slide. What, what were your methods to keep motivated every day when you woke up? And how did you manage your time to keep up productivity when you're doing this very tedious and repetitive work? Yes, it was given, I would say, given this project, I had this full test to assess the, the fossil forests, the taxonomy, the pale geography, the, even the paleoclimate of, of Mozambique. So when I was given this task, I would say yes. So for this task itself is a huge motivation for me because then I went to the, to, the, to literature reviews and I concluded, yes, uh, nothing has the, been the Mozambique in the fossil studies. So the, they've been taking a date back uh, 60s or, or 50s. So to come back again and to work on this matter and to work on the Mozambican fossil hoods and to bring more details in terms of taxonomy, paleogeography, paleoclimate in Mozambique, and to be one of the experts on the area, because Mozambique doesn't have an expert in, in paleobotan. I'm the first in Mozambique So to bring these kind of information that I knew for the Mozambican uh, point of view, even suspects I knew for science, this, uh, I would say, played a, a, a role for me to get motivated and to work on my project and to be focused on whatever I was doing that time. Uh, and I would say that it was easy, was not easy at all, because I have to work in the same slides again and again, and to repeat the same process and to discuss with my supervisor sometimes saying that we're not right, we're wrong, this is not a good picture, this is not a good identification, <laughs> so it should improve. <laughs> so what's, what's very tough for someone that's coming for geology and just to learn a bit new field, new discipline, like paleobotan was a very tough, but at the end of the day, it was, it was quite enjoyable for me. And someone can say that what process was nice for you. You get all the, the material from the field work, when you did the lab analysis and the interpretations and the discussions, everything was perfect. And then you had to submit your papers and your paper was, was accepted. I have to say it was not in that way because I will say that I had to submit my first paper to one of the journals. I think it's not fair to say the name of the journal now, but the first paper, the first journal that I submit my paper, my paper got rejected. Yes, my paper got rejected. And I don't have even regret to say I was, was, was rejected at that time. And I was, you can imagine, if I was frustrated. Yes, I was frustrated and that day was this this is the end of of the world i have to be strong in that time to say no i can find a new journal 
and I can resubmit my paper. It was not easy to get motivated again. I was also doing my monography. So yes, I would say I had good supervisor. Dr. Marilyn Benford was, was a good supervisor for me, I have to say. I said, no, you can find a new journal. You can just follow the guidelines. You will submit the paper and the paper will get accepted. So get suited the points, work a little bit more, improve this section, that sections. And yes, you'll say in a couple of months, your paper will be accepted because it's a nice paper. So yes, it was, was a kind of motivation that made me feel, okay, yes, I'm able to do that. I will do that. I will not give up. And then I, I started moving and I found a new journal. And the, the journal is the Journal of African Health Science. It's a nice journal. It's a, it's one of well-ranked journals in, in Africa. And yes, I was stuck, stick on the, on the points and the guidelines and the formattings and change the number of the pictures, everything, and ever submit the paper, new journal. And yes, after one year, yes, after the preview process, my paper was accepted. So just as it was not easy at all, I had to, to get motivated to, to move forward until the end, yeah. It's a, a difficult process to stay motivated through, absolutely. My first paper was rejected from six different journals, so I really do know your experience very well and how oh, important yes. it is to have a supervisor to say to you, this is not the end of the world, this is normal, just revise, yes. just resubmit it, there will be a journal mm -hmm. that will appreciate this work. And I think that's an important yes. thing to recognize is that uh, part of why it's rejected will be about the clarity of the argument you're making, the way in which you present your results, the way in which you've conducted the research. But a much bigger part of it is just about the scope of the journal and the field of expertise of the reviewers. And so by submitting it elsewhere, it's not that you're just trying to shove the paper to anyone who will accept it, but really that it's about understanding audiences and about understanding that there are these particular areas of interest and that a piece of work can be rejected from one journal but accepted very warmly by another journal and that it's therefore not a reflection on the quality of your work and we shouldn't receive that rejection as being a rejection of all of the work we've done and all of the information we're presenting but rather that it isn't the best fit for that journal. Yes. I can agree. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so when you submitted it to the Journal of African Earth Sciences, how did the review process go there? Did you have some difficult reviews still that you needed to work through? Did you find that the reviewers' comments gave you some useful insight into improving the paper? How did that, that round of review go? Yes, yes, I got this kind of revisions. It was one of the first revision that I got from, from the reviewers were just two reviewers. One was more expert and I think more expert because they were not anonymous reviews. One was more expert on the Kiru side and other ones that more expert on the, and the, and the, the northern fossil woods. So I had two reviews and the first revision process they were sending me some references. They're saying, yes, you should go and see and check these references. And 
perhaps can improve your your manuscript so please check these papers they gave me the list of papers to look at and also some formatting not too much and also the other reviewer sent me some aspects related yes you're saying that this feature is for instance tracking beats this is not tracking beats this is for instance axial parenchyma so this kind of things so i got a list of aspects to be changed or to work a little bit more but yes so i had be focus on this uh, on those aspects and i think after one half or two weeks i don't remember i have to submit again to the journal so i think it was one month so i improved a little bit more but not too much because everything i think uh, was there and we thought in that time that one of uh, the review was just like trying to say so you can add more in this aspect, but I was not working on this aspect. I was not working on the polyclimate point of view. And that time I had to say in a more polite way that yes, the suggestions is received, but yes, and then the future paper that, for instance, I'm writing, I'll be presenting the, the, the polyclimate point of view. This, this was not the business for the, that paper. So yes, it was not easy uh, to give the arguments, but I had to do because I was not doing pilot The other co-authors also, they were in the same point as I was. That, and yes, with, uh, after one month, I submitted to the, to the journals and it took, I think, three months to review again. And after three months, they, they reviewed and they sent me back the second revision. So the second revision was a little bit easier. But some aspects, they were, they were also there. <laughs> One of the reviewers also says, no, I'm not seeing this feature that we're saying. And at that time, I had to argument, no, this is not what we're, what we're saying. These are the structures and start to argument. And it, it will also ask me, please can provide me more or a good picture of high resolution of these structures so they can get that conclusion that they can also agree with what we're saying. So I had to work on these three or four aspects. That the review was a little bit more, I think had one question, uh, spelling problem, one, two or three sentences, and that's, that's it. So in one week, I was able to make the second revision and to send back to the journal. And I think after two months, they sent me a, a good news that my paper was that time accepted, so I cannot. <laughs> I drink a glass of wine so I was happy you can imagine yeah I mean it's it's amazing when you've gone through that process to finally get that letter and to know that you have achieved everything that they're looking for but Nelson you mentioned a very important point that I think we focus a lot on the actual paper and the data that goes into it how we're going to analyze it whether we're presenting this type of data in a table or a figure what our argument is the literature but as you've just raised, a very important part of the publication process is also about how we respond to these reviewers' comments and where they are asking us to do something that doesn't fall within the scope of our paper or that we don't have data to support or is not feasible, how we develop those rebuttals and how we 
communicate back to the reviewer and tell them that this is not something that we can do or that we should do. And to do so in a way that is very polite to the reviewer and it takes cognizance of the fact that they've put a lot of their time and thought and expertise and energy into the review process. But while you're still standing your ground and making your case for the, the paper that you're writing. And it's something that we don't really get training in. We get a lot of training in the, how to work in the microscopes and how to prepare our samples and how to do field work. But it is as important because if we aren't able to effectively engage with the reviewer, if we are too rude or abrasive in our responses, or if we don't really engage with what they're asking, then at the end of the day, the paper is likely to be rejected. And all of that work that we put in the field and in the lab will come to nothing there. We'll have to start again and submit it somewhere else. So I think you're raising a very important point there. And it's something that we yes. we learn with experience. As we do it, we start to learn how we engage with the reviewers. Yes, and Jennifer, can I tell you, because in that time, that was my first paper. And I was not aware about this kind of, of answers. I remember that uh, when I got these provisions from the, the list of, of aspects to be reviewed, I was not aware how to respond to the reviewers. I was like, oh my goodness, how can I respond to the reviewers? So I was like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> and I start giving the answers in the Word document. And, and then I, I, I sit with my supervisor that time and say, yes, I now respond every every questions that have been asked by, by the reviewers. And she said, no, <laughs> you cannot respond that way. You cannot respond that way. You should be polite. You should be polite, Nelson. You know, because <laughs> otherwise, sometimes they'll make your life complicated. You should be more polite, please. Respond them in more polite way. So this also these skills that I learned with my supervisor. I have to recognize that because I was responding that person. But I learned this a good skill because now I'm feel confident to write and I can respond to reviews in more polite way. That yes, makes sense. And yes, and put them agree on my perspective. Absolutely. And as you say, it's really the importance of having a very good supervisor who is hands on and will sit with you and will let you know where things don't work quite as they should do and give you their years of experience to help you in the process. And I think that's why it's such a good idea to let students lead the process in writing their own paper because it means that you had the chance to try and respond to the reviewer's comments yourself. It wasn't just something that your supervisor did and, and you never saw it. You, you tried it and then you got feedback and then you could improve on it. And it means that for future papers, you now have a much better idea of how you'd frame those responses and what needs to go into them. Yes. Well, Nelson, I think you've shared so much valuable information to people who are in their master's degrees and doing research that is publishable in their PhDs and thinking about how they're going to juggle all of the different tasks of writing up a paper on one side and doing lab work on the other, but also sharing how much difficult work goes into doing the kind of research that is publishable. I think it's very easy for us to just read the output of a large number of years of work and to read through it and go, oh, that's an interesting study and not really understand what went into it. So thank you so much for sharing all of that with us today and for sharing your experiences. And congratulations again. It really is a remarkable paper to have on your CV as the first paper you've written 
and to have that to your name that you have identified very clearly a new species here. So very well done. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revise, Rebut and Resubmit. I hope that the conversations that we had today give you a degree of inspiration and insight into the experiences that another early career researcher, just like you, has followed in the process of writing up, revising, resubmitting, and having their first paper published. Hopefully from this conversation, you've had some greater insight and the process has been demystified. Thank you for listening to this episode. And if you'd like to listen to more episodes, you can follow us through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or most other podcasting platforms. A huge thank you again to Genus, the DSI NRF Center of Excellence for Paleosciences for most generously supporting this podcast and the broader endeavor of engaging with early career researchers and helping them in the publication journey.